Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation, man to man. No excuses are offered. None except. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts, Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk <laughs> man. I back it up. And we are chock full of that, man. Damn right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. <laughs> and that's the bottom line. Because Stone Cold said so. If you're going to blitz, come strong. But don't come at all. Coming strong with another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. I am Jeff Howe. Let me bring in the rest of the team because we've got a loaded show this week. He is the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire, Matt Butler. How are you, sir? Doing pretty well. How about yourself? Wonderful. And lifetime Longhorn 2002 UT All-American 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award. Fourth round draft choice of the New York Giants in 2003. Spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats in the CFL. When he was done with football, got himself back to Austin, Texas, and the 40 Acres where he earned his degree. Whenever that T-ring gets back in his possession, I promise he will wear it proudly. Nevertheless, he is a card-carrying member of DBU, and when you get an All-American honor that's officially recognized by the NCAA, you get that black card. Number 21 in your program, number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Babers. Thanks for the intro, brother. Before we get into the show, take care of a couple things at the top. First of all, thank you guys so much for continuing to download, listen to, support this podcast. Right. In general, our numbers are great. Don't forget, whatever platform you're listening to us on, whether you're just getting the straight feed from uh, Megaphone, you're listening to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, however you're doing it, thank you so much for continuing to do it. And don't forget to like us, leave us a review. Five stars would be preferable, but we all appreciate so much of the support we get. Also, big shout-out to Mike and the guys over at Last Stand Hats doing some really good work. Matt is rocking the DBU hat today. Yes. Nice. If we had video, so, I would show it off, but I'll do it next week. Yeah, and I know, I know Mike's got some specials there as we get closer to the start of the season. So these are, folks, I'm telling you, like, I would not endorse this product if I didn't believe in it. These are quality hats. Rod, you wear your last hand hat all the time. quite a bit. Yeah. I've got the, uh, I've got one uh, Texas hat. I've got that Dallas Cowboys hat also that's, uh, yeah, that really caught my eye when I was browsing websites. I mean, so that Mike's, quality too. Mike's got good stuff. It's yeah, good quality. It uh, at some point, I think they're going to start rolling T-shirts out. So a lot of good stuff going on at Last Stand Hats. Uh, LastStandHats.com. Get over there, and uh, they'll take care of all your needs. Mike also told me, and I'm sure he'll have more of this on on Twitter. You can reach out to Mike. He's got some plans for uh, tailgates. I don't think any of those things have been solidified, but uh, you'll see Mike around the stadium on game day and. Uh, you can get some Last Stand gear there. So big shout-out to the folks uh, over at Last Stand doing it big. Um, Rod, just like last week's show, there's no easy way to oh, man. to segue into the, the top of the show. Um, as last week with, with talking about Daryl Drake, uh, I will yield the floor to you. And this is no disrespect to Coach Drake at all, but this one hit, I think, the Texas fan base – a little harder because it was, um, it was man, unexpected, it was fresh, and for me, Rod, you and I talk Sunday, and I won't get into the nitty gritty of that conversation. But for me, Cedric Benson was when I started following, really following recruiting. 
as good as Chris Sims and Corey Redding and guys like that were, Roy Williams were, Cedric Benson was the first guy. Like, wow, that guy's going to Texas? Mm. Like, things are starting to get yeah. different around here. And the amount of hype he had coming out of high school, it's like, man, it's going to be really hard for him to match it. But it's almost like right out of the gate he lived up to it. And I know I'm getting away from the matter at hand, which is his untimely passing. But Rod, no, you're celebrating them, man. Uh, that's how, I think that's how yeah. you, you, yeah. That's how, I think that's how you digest it. I will, uh, said, lived life too. He was the type of guy that liked to celebrate. No, uh, no doubt. As I did last week, I'll give the floor to you. You played for two years with Cedric Benson. You spent some time with him in Chicago when you guys were there together. Uh, I know, I know, you've been quoted a lot on local TV. Yeah, and, uh, you. A lot of guys haven't been ready to talk about it yet, so yeah. I've been kind of the go-to guy. But you'll get better stories about said B over time once the players get a chance to digest it. It was too fresh for a lot of them. I totally understand. So just your thoughts on Cedric Benson, the man, the teammate, the player, whatever, however you want to take it, Ron, the ball's in your court. Uh, first and foremost, uh, obviously, we uh, our heartfelt thoughts, prayers, and condolences to both families uh, because his uh, – some people said it wasn't his girlfriend. Some people said it was his girlfriend. And obviously, the young lady who uh, passed away uh, as well that night, and I'll make sure I get name her. I think it's Ayamna Najam. Um, but if I messed it up, I apologize. Um, she passed away too, and she went to Texas, and she was a doctor at age of 27, by the way. So she was also a very talented, impressive human. We've all, we lost two very talented people that night. Um, but getting to said B, um, you know, said B was, I think, misunderstood as a great term that's been thrown out there. Uh, by a lot of people about said B and although we all have our demons that we're you know that we're battling uh, the best thing about said B is that I can tell you is that he was genuinely a good person like he was genuinely a good guy he would give and we had so many fans that reached out when we did the uh, the broadcast the other day basically became a, a memorial tribute to said B who had these great said B stories about meeting said B in jail and and then they would, and then said they they would get close after that and seeing said B out partying at a bar and mm-hmm. they would have drinks and and they would he hung out with said B for like thirty minutes and kicked it and I mean he he was he was one of those people that he he would he would give of his time with one thing that none of us can replace and he was on his way to trying to be a better person than he was a player there was a process process for all of us um, but he genuinely had a kind heart man he really did that. He had, a, he had the enough said foundation that, you know, it was all about underprivileged youth. And uh, he had the story last year, his mortgage company, he's trying to, you know, help with a community effort, help rebuild the home of one of the Austin bombing victims. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember that. I mean, he's got, you know, there are numerous stories about him helping out. But anytime I asked Sid B to help me out with anything, he was always, you know, a guy who would jump, you know, jump to that opportunity. And he, he jumped at the chance really to, to help out anybody he considered family and friends. And he considered the Longhorn family that he loved the fact that people were inspired by his play and that he brought people happiness as a result of him playing football. That's what, you know, he was a beast on the field, which we'll get into and all that. But what he extrapolated from the game, and that's what he wanted to try to replicate in other aspects of his life, and he never found it, and none of us ever really do. He wanted, he was a DJ at one point, and, you know, he got into the mortgage game. He told me he got into the mortgage game because, he loved the the feeling of being around a family or someone when they finally got their house and that was like their part of their you know top five biggest moments in their in their lives. Yeah. 
he wanted to try to make that happen. He, that you know human I mean? connection was, he has, he, it's like the happiness he enjoyed yeah, being in that environment. He, he wanted that. He couldn't get it. He, 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 he dealt it out in mass doses as a player, mm-hmm. and he was just trying to get remnants of it in life. You know, the, the intimacy and the connection with a – with a crowd at a at a club while he's DJing, he thought that was cool. I I think I don't think he he ever wanted to be a DJ. I think he got kind of a a natural high from connecting with people, yeah, and, no, and bringing people joy and watching. Like, oh, I'm the reason that these people are happy, and so he's one of those guys. So he'll be missed. I I love him and I miss him already. Um, and uh, when you're young and you're in twenties and you make bad decisions, they call you a free spirit. When you do it, when you're close to forty, they call you reckless. I know that because I've been reckless <laughs> in my life. So um, me and Ted B were close because we were both trying to conquer those demons and walk that line. So, yeah. The way you put it right there, it's like I only had a handful of interactions and had some friends of friends of his. But the odd thing was said in Austin, even from the first time when I met him, whenever I was, I guess, a freshman in college to even just a couple years ago, literally at one of our tailgates. Normally it was somewhere out of t- like out on the town, and he would be – sort of just one of the guys in a crowd and it was odd like some of the circles that he connected around yeah he could be he's one of the most celebrated football players in the entire history of this state before he got to texas and then at texas yet because of just his unassuming character and was there for fun literally you turn around and would be like this said benson's right there drinking a beer and just hanging out and like he really was into music and you would see him around like i know him and will matthews were huge yeah. music guys and you would just literally i guess around music crowds they don't care know of a football player or see their face or even know who they are yeah so you would be walking around and said would be just vibing enjoying a show or something or Very enjoying true. the evening and you'd look around and have to double take like no wait that is said and it's there and nobody knows and he's just having a good time tonight yeah to, to matt's point the last time i was around cedric benson just how unassuming he could be uh, Vince Young was having one of the bowling tournaments that he had yeah, yeah. sometimes. Mm-hmm. It was like for the Neighborhood Longhorn Foundation, yep. I think. And he wasn't announced to be there. And, you know, Mason <laughs> Walters was there, and I'm talking to some other guys. And I look over, and, like, Sergio Kendall and Cedric Benson are just bowling on this lane, and I'm like, does anybody not realize, like, how cool this is? And said me and Sergio Kendall are just over here bowling, just <laughs> eating minding sticks. their own business. Like, yeah. no, no, it's a great Just point. like, no, I'm just here bowling. Logan Lindo had that great doing. tribute, and he also tweeted out, this guy's the third best running back at Texas. If he's at most football programs, he's the greatest player in the history of their yeah. football mm-hmm. program. But you're right, that's him. Just and completely unassuming, like him. like that, like that's Cedric Benson right there. There was a just nobody would have known the difference. Yeah, because no, it wasn't Texas like he tailgates and no, Cedric I, Benson's at the tailgate, and it wasn't like he I announced himself. Yeah. Just he, I ran just into there. him at a bar at BYU Steakhouse. Me and my girl were having dinner that night and rolled up into him, and like people were just walking by, and I was just like. You don't realize this is Sid Benson. This guy yeah. said, "Baby, this is Sid Benson." We <laughs> Think about like that life minutes. you got to live in this yeah. city as that. Like, it's very few famous people can like have that type of just odd relationship with a city or his but environment. But that's his, that's that's his cool. aura too, though. Yeah. He has a very uh, you know, like Ricky in a lot of ways. Obviously, he's yeah. a, I always say he is to Ricky Williams what Kobe was to MJ. You know what I mean? And yeah, he's so absorbing. many ways. He in mannerisms, running, playing style, all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. But. You know, he, he was humble. I love this story Brian Davis uh, put out there that, you know, um, the, the quote from said B is he, he kneeled. He was T-bowing before everybody else T-bowed, you know what I mean? He would kneel, and they asked him why he kneeled after every touchdown. He said, because I, out of respect for the fans and the game and, and you know, the process, and I'm just – I want to be humbled. He, he was continuously trying to humble himself. 
he because he knew I think he knew that coming could, in almost it yeah like he that knew was, that he was getting so much praise he was basically a football god mm-hmm. you know what I mean at like oh, man. sixteen he was gonna save Mac and, Brown's job and, and and somebody told me his mom is was a big reason for his humility that she was a very very humble woman you know what I mean yeah. and that's where he got it from but it was amazing that he stayed so humble for so long because I'm with you. You know, a guy like that, you know, usually, you know, he's got a bigger head. He he did not. He was a humble guy. Even yeah. when he got to the Bears, he was he was pretty humble early on. Yeah, and, and I mean, Rod, you've been around guys and know guys that have played in this program that don't have near the profile or the resume Cedric Benson does that they'll, they'll let you know they they'll played in Texas. They'll drop their own name. You know? <laughs> um, yeah, the, the, do you know who I am? But, Cedric Benson's carried the ball more than any human ever for Texas. But, Most carries ever. To, to your Crazy. point about just the evolution of Cedric Benson as a player, oh man, don't get me what, started. What Kyler Murray has been in the Twitter era for Texas high school football, like that's what Cedric Benson was before Twitter. To put it in perspective for somebody that didn't know, like it was word of mouth. Like he was in my time following high school football. Like he was the first guy that I remember. Like when he was a sophomore, yeah. Like people would be like, "Hey, man, you all heard about this running back Wasn't in Midland?" He the first League? high school player on the Dave the, Campbell? on Dave Campbell's Texas football, yeah, and was that was a monstrous deal. No, I know. Like I said, when he was a sophomore, did. like word of mouth getting around. Like, hey, yeah. you guys heard about this tailback in Midland Lee? It's this a kid joke. rushing for like 250 yards a game, 300 yeah. yards a game. Houston Street got a name because he was the only guy that could tech- tackle said B in one of those and games. And he said he got bulldozed <laughs> a few times trying to tackle like I, him. <laughs> like I remember like I remember, you know, his state championship games at Midland Lee. It was appointment television. Like you'd be like, okay, the Middle and, and Eisenhower kicking off at noon. Like we gotta be in front of the TV. We gotta watch this. And, and we gotta watch that. And with all that, and everybody knowing that he was basically a grown man at the age of seventeen, mm-hmm. Mac Brown, who Mac Brown knew that said B was a national championship caliber running back. He didn't believe the hype and didn't believe his own rhetoric when it came to said Benson because. He didn't want to start him and didn't play him until he honestly he he didn't start him until he was shamed into starting after him that OU after that after the OU game when he had because no he carries. knew and and now we know in retrospect because this is a tribute I saw to said B and how much of a category five freak and force of nature he was Longhorn fans know in their bones that if that guy played in that game even a a few series because I don't think he played at all. No, he didn't. Get I a think Mac was he like didn't. he didn't want to play with the, the stage was too big for a freshman. That kind of thing. He, he, he would have played three three series. There's a good chance it was a seven three game most of the game. He's on the participation sheet, but that's it. No official statistics. Yeah. If, mm. if he if he gets I'll say I'll say say get carries, I think he he was getting carries in the games before that. That was a weird thing. Yeah. He was getting like I yeah. must have a mop up duty, but he was getting carries. You'd have thought they would have gave him something because the offense six was to twelve somewhere in that range. Yeah, the, the offense needed a spark, and he, he he's he's more than a spark. I yeah. mean that guy is a freaking inferno, and Mac didn't do it. And after that, Mac was shamed to it. And honestly. I'll tell you what, the guys in the locker room, we knew before the fans knew that said B should have been playing, said B should have been starting. He was your best option at running back. For some reason, Mac didn't want to do it. It was weird. It was a change in He was basically Adrian, our version of Adrian Peterson before mm-hmm. Adrian Peterson. Yeah. And it's like, so that, that guy is better than everybody else. No, freshmen shouldn't always play in big uh, on big stages like that in big games. But there are exceptions to every rule. That guy is a walking exception mm-hmm. to most of those rules. And especially and Mac didn't see it. And Mac cost himself, toss, he especially cost himself in, a Texas OU game, in my in opinion. That, taught him in a that lesson. series, in that series, whether you're talking about Marcus Dupree or Jamal Charles or Adrian Peterson yep. or DeMarco Murray or Sam Ellinger, like you've seen 
freshmen show up in that game. Like that's how you know on one side or the other. Just, and you got a special player if you as a freshman, if you can show up in Amen. that game, that guy, yeah. then you got something about it. That you. guy's got some nerves of steel as a youngster. So no, I, so I and, and getting back to that season though, two thousand one, right? Sedby's first year. He's a freshman. I'm, mm-hmm. I, I saw Sedby as a baby. Hurts freshman my heart to think about that season. Mm-hmm. I've talked about it before. We we lost two games. <laughs> we lost two games that year. The two games that we lost, one said B basically got no carries. That was the Texas OU game, yep. all right? And the other game was the Big 12 title game, and said B, along with Mike Williams, both of those guys' top four picks in the NFL draft in the future, all right, at their respective positions, knocked themselves out of the game mm-hmm. chasing down a Chris Sims interception going in for a pick six, which is the most improbable stuff out of – Ever. It's crazy. How the hell that even happens? Said B, remember, when he's knocked out of that game, he's averaging over six yards a carry, and he scores the first touchdown. Yep. If said B stays in that game, even if Mike Williams goes down, I'm not saying we roll, but we win. Yeah, said B already had over 100 yards when you have his two completions added in in that game. He was already rolling. When you look before the Oklahoma game. Exactly. And before the Oklahoma game. He was on his way to having his best, actually, one of his best games of the season. Yeah, potentially. He, he had had 15 carries, 9, 14, and 6, then 0 in the Oklahoma Man. game. The next five games were 131, 100 yards, 157, 108, and 213. And that was five games, his first five starts that he got following that Oklahoma I game. I want to say that is actually the last time other than last year, too, because he had – how many receptions did he have? 17 or something like yep. that? Yeah. Um, and we didn't use him enough in the passing game either. Anyway, my point is – that's how good Sebi was. That's how much of a factor he was. Think about the 2001 team and how good we were. We were really good. We had Real quick, first round draft inter- picks interject. all over the place. When you look at the roster top to bottom, considering like Huff mm-hmm. and Sadie Griffin, those guys were red shirts. Is that the most talented team you've ever been a part of, that 2001 team? Uh, 01, 02 was pretty talented too because 02 you still got some of them young dogs. And then you get a little, a little as older. A young guy yeah, that, 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 them rosters were, you know, but, even at the bottom. Watching those, those But the 01 the team is basically the 02 team with Quentin Jammer and Mike Williams. Uh, yep. Pretty much. Yeah, 01, you could argue that. But uh, yeah, 02. 02, 02 you yeah. get to throw in Blaylock. Yeah, and, yeah. that's a good point. Know, I would, B-Y. But we got a better set B too. That's yeah. true. You know yeah. what I mean? Best, I'm saying, Watching those on LHN, they've been pretty awesome, like seeing that season and just like the two over lapping classes where you get like the beginning of the 05 and the end and of the end of it, man yeah. there's some talent so, now, but, so we should have Matt, Matt cost himself a Texas OU game because of that and honestly we missed a chance to play in a national title because we lost that B and they, we still have roster. a chance to play a national title even after we lose OU and if said B doesn't get hurt I'm telling you we win that game. Is it as simple though, Rod? Looking back on it now, we can we have the benefit of hindsight. Eighteen years later, if Mag just takes the ball out of Chris Sims's hands and just says, "Look, said we're, we're going to ride Said B the whole way," well, I think he would have the Roy Williams play have. probably like, oh, doesn't you know, happen because you're handing off to Said B out of the end zone. He handed off to Said B exactly. He's like, "Oh no, we're going to Said B." Until he changes the dynamic of everything, man. And I, I, I'm telling you, how many yards did Said B have against Colorado the first time? Uh, 159 total because he had three for 59 <laughs> receiving and then had 23 you, for 100 rushing. Dude, he would have changed everything. It was that, and we. When he felt when he lost, we lost him and lost Mike Williams. 
God. It was and that just, was the first time a freshman at we Texas became, had ran for 1,000 yards. Yeah, you're right. We still, became, the, only, yeah, still we became, the only freshman. We became pedestrian on offense almost. You know All what right. I mean? Yeah. This to me as a player just sums up Cedric Benson the best. Like one of the really when you look at the way the game's changed, Rod, really one of the last true kind of workhorse running backs oh, yeah. in like college football. That's true. But yep. you know, I had the task of, you know, we were dishing out content, who wants to write what, and I wrote something on maybe the two thousand one recruiting class. Quan Cosby were part of that signing class. How yeah. dare you than roll when you consider oh, yeah. Aaron Ross and Quan Cosby were part of that signing class. Cedric Griffin, yeah. that it's probably it's overlooked because yeah. and said Michael me. Huff and Cedric Griffin, yeah. that it's recruited class. No, yeah. like it's ridiculous. But I, I wrote on that, and in the same recruited class. No, yeah. like it's ridiculous. But I wrote on that, and then I got tasked with, hey, come up with the ten best Cedric Benson games, and, and that's harder to think about because yeah, when you think about said B's career. There's not that one gamer, that one player, that one moment that just sticks out. Like, yeah, that defines Cedric Benson. You've really got to look hard at it, but he what played was a lot not, of good games against the Aggies. I know he that. did. He I, I want, I want to read Aggies. you. I want to read you his stats for for A and M because I figured yeah. out yeah. In, in his <laughs> in his four games against A and M, he scored scored rushing touchdowns in every one of them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Average one hundred fifty three point six yards a game. And five and a half yards of carry in four games against AM. He never <laughs> lost AM. Yeah, because that's, man, he's a he's a Texas State football god. So mm-hmm. he's like that game, he was especially pumped and up. And think about this. Yeah, think de- about this. The devil to the Aggies. Yeah. Think about this. His junior year in College Station ran for 283. It's the most anybody in school history has ever had against AM. That's hard. Wow. And considering that game's not coming back anytime soon, well, that record's probably going to stand for a while. And I will say that, yeah, back then, you know, they still had the wrecking crew. I mean, it still wasn't. Two of those crew. games were against RC Slocum AM teams. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You still had a wrecking, a wrecking crew or a semblance of it, that culture. So, yeah, that's really impressed by 03, that first year, Francione, by the end, it was like, eh. Kind of realize it was. It was what it was. But take nothing away from said beast performance. But I, I think what the the number one game on this list, and you can get this list of Horns twenty four seven. The number one game I put on here was the 04 Oklahoma State game, and Chip mm. Chip Brown in his column quoted Casey Stutter just saying Casey remembers Cedric basically yelling at the coaching staff in the locker room at halftime, just give me the damn ball and let's go. <laughs> and for you to be in a game where you're at a twenty eight point deficit, yeah, and you can take your running back and still give him the ball 14 times in the second half, and he scores three touchdowns and goes over 100 yards in one half. That just shows you, Rod, because you figure at that point even you're down by three touchdowns, like, hey, we got to throw the ball. No, this guy's good enough to where you can still put it in his gut and he can can carry you. He's basically the reason you can still win 10 games when you're transitioning from a Chris Sims to, and it honestly becomes a major Chris Sims to be technical Mm -hmm. about it, uh, to – the chance mock Vince Young thing and still be a 10 win team. Mm-hmm. Because in the end, it was just like, well, let's just make sure we're giving this guy the all ball. The and we should, position guys yeah, we should be okay boy. until VY became the VY that we all know. And, you know, getting back to that, that, that 01 class that he, he's a part of, that said B was kind of the, the crown jewel of. And you're right about how Him loaded it was. Because I remember Mac Brown saying the guy that we got to get these guys. If we get these guys, we're going to win a national title. Like, we just got to get these guys. And it was the Huff Daddy and Derek Johnson said B. And think about that, what he had in 99. Number one overall class, Chris Sims, so he had his quarterback of the future. That 2000 class, you got your wide receivers, three five-star guys in your wide receiving group. Filling and the then, holes. And that 2000, yeah, and that 2001, he got his running back. You know what I mean? And he was getting old linemen, you know, slowly but surely with those groups. But that's what he wanted. And he basically kind of built a powerhouse offense. They – in my opinion, we still never lived up to the expectation. We didn't 
You know what I mean? It, we, we never reached our ceiling. Not, not even close with that much talent. Yeah, yeah. it was, and yeah. them all being one year staggered sort of always kept one off schedule. Like if it would have been it a did. little bit more condensed, it, but it also is what allowed, like you said, the bridge to be get you know, you yeah. know, bridge to the next. So you could always go ten wins, and then like, well, once you, you start got, stacking yeah. classes, once you got four or five years into stacking classes, like when we look at those bus yeah. straight numbers and stuff, That's those right. are the type of things that when you hit on that and you keep doing that and just are filling those holes by year four or five. That's when you. Have a lot of fun and win a lot of games. No, you're right. It, it's really weird, like, kind of Cedric Benson's place, and it, it, it sucks that it took this for us to kind of figure out, okay, where does he stand kind of in the, the pantheon, if you will, of Texas legends. And as a player, he's in a weird spot because he's right in between Ricky Williams and Vince Young. It's crazy. And so, yeah. the teams he played on, Rod – he never won a national championship. Never won a conference they championship. Mm-hmm. They underachieved. And even yeah. though you look, I mean, you even win. I mean, even, no, they really did. All, yeah. even right. All it's crazy. Won, it, it was a, it was a, a team that underachieved. Well, no, you're right. And I was just laughing because oh, it was one, like eleven win team. Like only said, if any, he would have could have played in that first year. Who knows if he could have got the championship? The any, one time, like you were just saying before. Yeah. Any other any other place you go when you've got a guy that's still and again considering where the running back position is, he's probably going to stay in the top ten in career rushing yards for a while. He's number ten right now. Yeah. With over fifty five hundred, but you go anywhere else, Rod. You have a if you're a running back, you you go for fifty five hundred yards in your career, and in your four years, Best the program wins forty three games, yep. wins a Rose Bowl. They're building statues, statues. Yep. Mm-hmm. and at Texas, it's like, eh, didn't quite measure yeah. up. Like that right. just shows yeah, he's you he's good. He's he's awesome. Yeah, but, but if he, he's on the Mount Rushmore of our running backs, that's about it. Yeah, but if when he was coming in, if you'd say I said he's going to be the third best of all time of the school, I bet he'd take it because it's only Earl and Ricky, which is like almost yeah. impossible to live up to. That's true. the two guys, who and that's have what statues. he did do. Basically, he yeah. just walked in and did it, and it, he, did. he didn't even get the opportunities that a modern day back like his. It's so odd that he didn't play. Texas OU 0-1-0-4 is when Peterson is a freshman and beats him 12-0 his last Texas OU game to where the freshman running back situation was sort of mirroring both ends of his entire career. It, it's really weird. Like, and you can't – it's really weird to rank Texas running backs. It, it's kind of, To me, it's kind of like trying to rank Florida quarterbacks. Like, okay, you take Steve Spurrier, Tim Tebow, and Danny Werfel. Take them out of the equation. Now rank the rest of them. Yeah. Like, because, like, okay, like, USC tailbacks. Who's the best USC tailback ever? Go OJ, OJ? Simpson. Is it OJ? Go Reggie Bush. Go Marcus, Marcus Allen. Allen. Yeah. Go Charles White. Like, yeah. it's there's interesting debates to yeah. be had. In Texas, there's not really a debate. The debate is who you take in Ricky or Earl. And then after that, it's like, okay, how do you fill in? How do you fill in the list? Said yeah. third. Said Would you go said B three? Said third. third. There's no question. Yeah, said yeah. third, no doubt. And it's, you know, and I know we're going to wrap up the said B legacy discussion, but I, one other thing I got to point out about Sidby, and, and and I I actually challenge people to go look for like team photos to make sure that I'm correct. I'm not misremembering this, but I remember the time period after Ricky left, and from like in '99 and 2000 when I first got here, when Sidby came, that's when Texas started getting braids and dreads. Allowed to wear them again. And I don't know if Mac made it an official team thing, but I swear he discouraged like dreads and braids and facial and hair before facial hair and earrings before like post- like before said B and and after Ricky and and the and the reason I, I remember this all going down because I remember in '99 you had the players test positive for marijuana mm-hmm. right in '99 yeah. right before the bowl game and think about it, Mac Brown got here in '98 and. Mm-hmm. 
And so that happens in 99. Ricky, that's when Ricky has the, you know, he hires Master P and then has the wedding. I remember the wedding, Craig Way the wedding fo- yeah, he has Craig the, Way the wedding dress this. on the ESPN magazine and all that stuff with Mike Ditka. And then people said nothing. People don't re- remember, but it happened in 99, too, because I remember behind the curtain and everybody was like, man, this is crazy. Matthew McConaughey, our unofficial mascot, has the bungos incident. Hmm. Right after the Nebraska game. Boom. Yeah. And all this happens like within a year, basically, of Mac Brown's second year. And I think Mac after that got to the point was like, well, I gotta clean this program up. People are getting the wrong idea about mm. Texas. Clean cut, Chris I got I won't clean cut. I'm gonna I'm gonna manicure this thing a little bit. I don't I'm selling it to the conservative boosters and donors. Uh the 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 the, the parents I'm uh, recruiting their kids, they are probably a little bit more conservative. I don't want them thinking we're gonna come here and be a party school and all that kind of stuff. So and I think he, it was it was genuinely a smart move by Mac. I think he was just trying to you know, raise money, raise revenue. That's what Mac was doing. Yeah. And Mac's a politician. Reacting to society. He didn't want to be a hypocrite when said B came in. And if you'll notice in 2001, I get braids, Nathan Basher mm-hmm. gets braids, and Dakari Pearson gets braids, Cedric Griffin comes into the mold, and all these guys start getting dreads and braids again. And these guys get facial hair later on. I do, I think, and said B was a, he was part of that movement. Like that was him being. I guess our version of Ricky Williams, but Mac was like, all right, I think Mac figured out you got to let the players be themselves to a certain extent. Yeah, yes, I want to mold, the yes, and mold the them into lesson. being great young men, and that's great. That's part of your job. But you can't try to take away the essence of who they are because sometimes you're taking away the essence of the, the kind of player they're going to be too. Mm-hmm. And I think he learned that later on, and he didn't do it with us. We, my, in 2002, when I was part of the leadership council, we have to give Mac a, a a theme for the team, like consistently good to be great or whatever the hell it is. Um, and we 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 said fit. We wanted to be fit, which was effort actually. And, mm. and Mac was like, "Oh no, we're not doing that." He made it wit, whatever it takes. Uh, and but the point is, and remember, the same thing with like Chris I Sims. Your fit yeah, the same with thing with like Chris Sims at the podium. He never let him talk to the media by himself. Mac was he was almost like you know smothering the uh-huh. program a little bit, trying to. But then he figured out with said B and I think some other guys. Okay, I'm gonna let these guys be themselves, and ultimately, it leads to Vince Young very next, and Fifty yeah. Cent playing in the locker room and playing rap music at you know at, at at games, and you know him basically Mac Brown listening to Fifty Cent too. I think he realized like the best teams, and now Tom Herman's echoing the same thing: are player led teams, coach fed teams suck. They crumble. Yeah. They initially, they will. They'll crumble under pressure. Substance if it is a, a player-led team, they'll hold each other accountable. Mac Brown's best teams were on cruise control. He figured that out later on. With us, he should have let us have more ownership of that team, and he wouldn't. And I think he was just – it was a young coach, and he was still evolving and learning. Yeah. Said he was a part of that process. And he learned pretty quick. I mean, He that's did. A he quick learned evolution. really quick. Yeah. Mac, was a, Mac was a quick well, and he was no Because doubt. he was genuine and was yeah. connecting with these people. No it's doubt. like, God, the image doesn't matter. The substance the wins, matters. Yeah, people don't give the a sub, damn about the, the image. People, and, the relationships, and yeah, he had to that's form the worst, That was Ricky Williams, and that was Said yeah. B. Hell with the image. Yeah. Look at the result on the, the people, field, The product, yeah. We know Cedric Benson was great at Texas, obviously, and I was in the stands for some of those games. Matt, I know you've talked about that 4 Oklahoma State game being mm-hmm. you know, one of the highlights of your fandom. Oh yeah, uh, but Rod, I want you to talk about his pro career just really quick because it's. I think Peter King summed it up the best, and I want to flip it to you here in a second because you were with him in Chicago. Um, this was Peter King's Football Morning in America column, which is an outstanding read. It's pretty yep. much the same thing he did with the Monday Morning Quarterback, but he's just doing it on a different platform now. Um, this was in his Ten Things I Think I Think. 
Uh, I think it was sad to hear about the death of Cedric Benson, the fourth pick in the 2005 draft by the Bears. Sad for dying in a motorcycle accident in Texas Saturday, of course, but also sad because he never seemed to seem fulfilled by his football career. Tough to live up to the expectations of being the fourth pick in the draft, but Benson came into football at a time of the beginning of the devaluation of the running back, mm-hmm. and he wasn't particularly crafty or quick. He was productive and physical. In his second stop, Cincinnati, he toiled for a while as the kind of workhorse back he wanted to be in Chicago. For a short time, 16 games over the end of 2008 and all of 2009, Benson averaged 100.3 yards per game. Not many players, regardless of draft position, averaged 100 yards a game for a season, and Benson, in effect, did that. I hope he died knowing that he had a positive career. Yeah. Um, Rod, like you, you were with him in Chicago, and I've heard you say this, and I just want you to reiterate. We talked about you know the family environment that Mac Brown promoted. It, mm-hmm. it had its pros and its cons. Uh, some people looked at it as maybe you're coddling guys. Some people looked at it as no, you're just you know having a good good insulation for guys, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, I I've heard I've heard you quoted on you know local TV and stuff saying you you felt in Chicago said B never really kind of got that Mm-mm. from the NFL. That's something he was always kind of looking for and never really felt it. Yeah, especially early. I think later on in his career, he understood okay, uh, being a professional is a lot different than being a student athlete at Texas. Yes, I'm a football player. Uh, kind of earning my way, but it's a lot different uh, in terms of your connection with your teammates. And, you know, here on the 40 acres, you go to school with the guys, you live with the guys. I mean, you spend so much more time with them. In the NFL, guys have families, guys have obligations. Mm-hmm. You spend time with them, but you don't spend the kind of time you do when you're a young player and you got you got three hours to, to, to spare to, to play the video game and, and hang out. And a person that values right. relationships you know I mean? and yeah, interaction and, said, and exactly. goes from Austin yeah. to that. Yeah, and you know said B. It's the reason said B feels more at home in Austin than he does in Midland, you know what I mean? Because there is still, you know, it, because his family was basically here. He considers that Longhorn family mm-hmm. to be his family. He yeah. does. Um, and he's, I mean, of course, he's got, he's got his family, but he wanted that in the NFL. He 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 longed for it in the NFL, and you don't get that. A lot of guys, I, I think, have a tough time with it. From Texas, they do. Even DeLos Dodds remarked that, you know, it's it's hard leaving Austin for any reason. It's hard leaving Texas for any reason because life is good. Yeah, Life is good in Austin. Life is good at Texas. He said, life is good, man. We, we have great facilities. We have great coaches. We treat our players good. They live in Austin. He said, life is good. And when you leave there, there is a bit of a shock. Like, okay, all right, all right. And it's the the real, real world. You yeah, know it just I mean? seemed like Chicago was never a uh, fit for him. And I've heard you talk about, you know, you and I talked on Sunday about y'all had times together. Y'all hung out when he was yeah, in Chicago. Yeah, we hung out up there. You know, BJ, and Nasty Nate was up there. I so know Nathan Vasher, you know, B.J. Simmons talked about, you know, hey, I was a practice squad quarterback and said kind of befriended me because we we're Texas guys. Like he was just kind of looking for that. But it seemed like he found that in Cincinnati. And that, that three-year run he had with the Bengals, that's kind of – yeah, that's kind of what we expected to see from Cedric Benson at yeah, the pro what's level. The, and what's the culture of the Bengals? It's a bunch of outlaws, right? A bunch of a bunch of it really is, like right? The it's island a bunch of misfit of, toys. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah, you know what I mean. It's a bunch of it's basically what K State is in college in college football. And I think with that, he found some camaraderie. You know what I mean? A bit of a, a fellowship there. Like, okay, yeah, everybody, everybody, we'll cast away. Nobody wanted us, but watch us now show everybody. I mean, that's that that does kind of to me it rings true of said being his kind of football character yeah three consecutive 1000 yard seasons yeah. when he got there too that's a great point actually that's I, that's the first time somebody's brought that up but i i think that is it you know, know went, went, for, went for 1200 yards uh in 2009 i mean then you just look at the touchdown numbers i mean he had what 13 19 touchdowns and, and here's the crazy thing about his career in cincinnati rod he only played 56 games for the bengals 
He's fifth in their franchise history in rushing, <laughs> and only only Corey Dillon has more career yards per game as a Bengal. And I gotta tell you, he ain't playing up against Scrub D's. You got the Ravens and the Steelers. Steelers. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, like, it ain't every, you, you twice a year. Twice you a year, play, yeah. Yeah, you ain't playing up against Scrubs defenses a lot of times. So yeah, man, that's an impressive run. That really was. But that's because he was comfortable. We, for me, for said and that with the Bears, I was there when he got there. They were mad because he wasn't more outgoing and wasn't. Like they want him to come around guys to introduce himself to everybody and be that kind of guy. And that, that really wasn't said. You know what I mean? Said was like, no, no, my actions speak for themselves. So if we're talking and having a good time, that's great. But he yeah. didn't, he wasn't going to do something that was unnatural or inorganic. It was, yeah, I mean? it like, wasn't going to go and have a foe Yeah, he's not a fraud like that. Yeah. He was like, no, I'm not going to just go. <laughs> yeah, like I talk, no. told the bowling out story, he's not going to announce he's there. He's not going to yeah, like, come rolling in yeah. like yeah. 10 people deep. It's just like, hey, I'm here. What do you guys yeah, need me to do? And they wanted that from him because he's a first-round draft pick and everybody wants his time and they want to be, you know, they want to get to know you him. You want to get you Craig James got, running back. Yeah, I'm I think he got off like a politician. He earned guys respect. I remember when and Brian Urlacher, he had another texter tells a story that they went to a football camp and Brian Urlacher, they asked him at the football camp, you know, what's the hardest you ever been hit? And he said, said Benson. <laughs> and there is a story Tackling about him. said Benson, like, uh, basically hurting his shoulder or something in a scrimmage because him and, him and Urlacher had a, a, you know, kind of a, a ramming, uh, if you will. Uh, they, <laughs> that bears backfield, was, man, between, because, I mean, it wasn't even said B's fault. He just didn't get the carries because Thomas Jones was a good running Thomas back. And, good running back and that's one tough dude, too. Like, those yeah. two in the backfield together actually was sort of ahead of its time with the platooning running backs. Yeah. So, uh, that, that yeah, the, the, the NFL, I think, was uh, for him, it was just an accl- he had to acclimate to it. But once he acclimated to it, you could see the potential. Yeah. But he's a running back. And I agree that that's a great point by Peter King. He was right there on the precipice, man, of that the the cliff for running backs mm-hmm. where now people are like, oh, no, hell no, I'm not drafting that like kind of running back that, that high. After that draft where I think you had, what, three going in the top six was said Benson, Ronnie Brown, and Cadillac Williams. Mm-hmm. Right? It was three in the top five. Yeah. And then I think Cadillac Williams got hurt. Said's career in Chicago didn't start didn't out great. Out. I think Ronnie Brown got hurt. Yeah. And then it was like, well, we ain't taking running backs to the top five that. anymore. That's exactly mm-hmm. right. Yeah. No, he was. He was right there. He was one of the last of the Mohicans to be drafted that high and be a workhorse, too, yeah. in the league. Yeah, everywhere he's been, he's been a workhorse. Yeah, in that think division, about, we talk about in that division. Yeah, exactly. I always talk about you know. I think there's a certain amount of reps you have in your body. I truly believe. I think everybody's just got you got maybe it's five thousand for you, and when your five thousand reps are up, man, they're up. You are just done. I think he already like, had a whole think, career in high school. Yeah, you know what I mean. Said exactly. Uh, Jonathan five, Gray, I think, was like that. Was no, like, you're man, right. Jonathan 100%. Gray just, you're just right. Got too 100%. Much, man. Just, he, and I think Tom Herman's really cognizant of that. And that's why he's like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm not. I don't like to use guys up. I want them to. You know, when they get to the next level, if they're capable of that, I want them to still have carries and reps left. But at running back, it's amazing that he had that many carries. At, you said he carried the ball more than any other Texas football player, right? Yeah. Yep. And I'm sure that in the high school football records, yeah. he's up there in attempts, too, exactly. in like the top 10 all time or something like that. And at the NFL level, still in a, ba- a blue, a you know, kind of a, a blue blood, a blue collar division. 1,600 carries yeah. and 120 wow. receptions. Yeah, in, in, a, in a division like that in the AFC North and, hell, and even <laughs> even the NFC North, mm-hmm. those kind of black and blue divisions, he was still able to be a workhorse at times. That's crazy. And in high, in high school, he had one year his junior year. He ran for 3,500 yards. <laughs> I've never even How stupid it is that? Thirty five hundred yards. Crazy, dude. I can't even imagine. Like, I got. I, I want to watch some high school film. on Lower Network not, did a great job playing those games, but I want to watch. And some high it's school not like it's not like you're playing against no. like small town scrubs. Like you're in Middle You're in the little Southwest Conference. You're playing Permian. Yeah. And Abilene High. That's what Friday Night Lights is made of. Yeah. It's, crazy man. 
Yeah. And then and then in three the eight thousand four hundred twenty three total yards in high school. The the, the most mind boggling wow. stat to me about Cedric Benson and Rod, I think as as somebody who played with him at Texas and talks about most. those big games where he wasn't used or maximized. In three state championship games, he scored 15 touchdowns in three state championship games. Against the best of the best in the state of Texas. In the state of Texas. After <laughs> a gauntlet of 15 games yeah. at running back, he's still doing that. at the end. It's because he's annihilating. Like, I watched Jonathan Gray do something like that once. That Benson did it three times. Three times. Yeah, and Mac felt like. I watched Jonathan Gray have like a, a six difference. touchdown game no, in a state championship one time and was like, wow, this is crazy. And then you think, said we had five touchdowns three yeah. different times. I know. No, I still it that's a it, it still hurts my heart that Texas OU games like, dude, what were you thinking? You didn't even at halftime and never never done done, you're like, you know what? We got a guy out here who may actually be able to make a difference. No, nope, we never thought about if it. If it's any consolation, Rod, you lost the game. I lost a bet and my dignity because of that game. And if anybody that. wants to know how Can't big football is in the state of Texas, when you just open up the Wikipedia of uh Benson the opening thing in his early life is like, oh, he started as a football standout in middle school while attending Abel Junior High, and they named Coach McKinney. Like, they actually <laughs> detail the coach's name in the high school that he dominated in eighth grade. That's one of those folklore wow. of, you know, just a legend growing up. No doubt, man. Uh, Rod, anything, any kind of parting shot you oh, want to have on Cedric Benson? Yeah, forget about that. I was actually, thank you, for Matt, for bringing that up. Play pro uh, baseball. I was like, yeah, 12th round forget. draft pick in L1. <laughs> Also, drafted to play baseball. He was that talented. Wow. Um, no, not much. I think we did a good job of summing everything up. And well, you can never do a good job of summing said B up. That's kind of the whole point, right? Uh, every time I met said B, I learned something new about him. So, <laughs> or a new interest that he had. Mm-hmm. So, uh, man, rest in peace. And uh, also to uh, Ms. 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 Najam, who also lost her life too. I thought some prayers with. Uh, said being his family and her family too, two very talented people. I mean, she was a doctor at twenty seven. Holy, I I mean, <laughs> she had, she was An audiology, I believe. Yeah, audio. She was audiologist at twenty seven years old. So I mean, we lost two really talented people who were kind hearted people um, this past weekend. So it's really sad. It's tragic. Like I said, uh, my lasting memory Cedric Benson is just gonna be him and Sergio Kendall in that bowling alley and just he's just hanging out and me. Freaking out and realizing, like, does nobody realize, like, who's hey, over here? Said, said, freaking B. Trust me, everybody's got a said B story like oh, that. Oh man. Cool. Well, let's move on, Rod. I know Tom Herman uh, is planning on uh, his running backs being productive in uh, 2019, and as we're uh, less than two wow. weeks away from the opener now, kind of the, the the real concerns you've got at this point for this team mm-hmm. are twofold. Really, it's really it's injuries. Health and yep. sorting out the very last few depth chart battles you've got. How many are there? I think there was like, is, is there like one? Oh, you saw, oh, you saw depth chart. That's interesting. Yeah, because starting battles is only like one. That the starting battle, I think it's corner. That's, that's pretty it. much yeah. it. But depth De- chart, you're right. Yeah, who's going to play yeah, you know, second, left guard, or whatever the hell. So let's is. take depth chart since we're there first, and then we'll go back to injuries because it's all going to intertwine together anyway at some yeah. point. When you talk about the depth chart, uh, I think wide receiver is a good place to start because there's been some injuries. You know, Brennan Eagles had an elbow cleaned up. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Joshua Moore with the, the weapons charge. Case. That remains yeah. to be seen how all that's going to get sorted out. You've got Alvante Woodard still dealing with the foot issue. You've got Jake Smith just continuing to destroy it anytime 
He's got the ball in his hands. Uh, Rod, I think Tom Herman kind of heard and heeded the advice. Not really, just saying that in jest. Uh, pretty much anybody who's any kind of pivotal starter was scratched <laughs> for the second scrimmage. Yep. I think Colin Johnson got a drive. I think yeah. Devin Duvernay got maybe unnecessary a, too. a series or two. But after that, for the most part, it was twos and threes getting work. Uh, Rod, is there any level of concern at receiver, or are they just so deep that they'll they'll figure it out? No, embarrassment of riches at receiver at this point. And you know, now that Brennan Eagles has solidified himself as that that Z, and now you can work Devin Duvernay in the slot. You know, and we don't know about Josh Moore and what's going to happen with the case, but I, they, Tom Herman must be confident that it's either going to be reduced or not going to be that serious because he's still practicing. Yeah, would be wasting reps on a guy if you know. I mean, he was going to be suspended early. We've I mean, all read the we've all read the police report. And I'm, I'm, I'm not um, saying it's not serious, but I'm saying they still have the the, the due process to go. I shouldn't through. say we've all read the police report. Everybody has seen published reports of the interpretation of court records. Let me rephrase that. Um, but <laughs> yeah. Um, Order, right? Yeah, I mean, but I, I don't know, Rod. I mean, I, I'm trying to think about it in my head. I, I think Tom Herman gave himself. It wasn't he didn't speak in absolutes when he was asked about it after the scrimmage. Yeah, you know, he basically because somebody asked him like, "Hey, no weapons is part of your core values. You know, how do you handle that?" And yeah. he said, "The core values are the core values." But he said, "We're in the business of teaching, and kind of what happens if you throw somebody off the team for." You know their first failed drug test, or just you have this blanket, just kind of zero tolerance policy. Um, I think he at least gave himself some because who knows what's going to come out of this court proceeding? I, I don't know. No, I don't well, know either. And basically, yeah. Tom Herman's, I would guess, just letting literally due process roll out and saying it would be unfair for me to judge before that plays out. Now, it's yeah. also smart as a coach to understand the evidence in front of you and know that going forward we may not have him so that's where those other reps that you it, alluded to could also I'll, be I'll, used later on i'll throw this in there to anybody that wants to throw in the charlie strong factor and say well this was under charlie strong he'd be gone trust me charlie strong did not have a zero tolerance policy no you um, know that now for, for violations yeah yeah, well, so, like, yeah the only time i really you really saw I him have one tolerance. was with the kendall sanders and montreal meander thing yeah yeah that's true and like, because the guys he did dismiss, the the Jalen Overstreets and Joe Bergeron, those guys were given multiple chances to step in line and comply and Agreed. get themselves right. Yeah. So I don't know any coach in the country that just has like a zero tolerance policy for that. You got to give yourself some wiggle room because every situation is different. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It can't be that. It's got to be a more gray than black and white. But yeah, I think I, we've I, moved past that. Yeah, and well, see, and so I just think they, I think they have a lot of depth at wide receiver with Jake Smith too. Like we don't know exactly how they're going to use Jake Smith, but we assume that you can include him as part of the depth of wide receiver too. Even though I read, you know, you guys said he's getting some running back. He reps. did get some running back reps. Thank God he should. I mean, and not because you know they they want him there right away. They need him there. They need bodies there. They need just in case something is not right with Keontae Ingram. Or yeah, and we had heard about that after the scrimmage, but you know Tom Herman even said after the scrimmage, Jake Smith at running back is kind of a break glass in case of emergency situation. But Rod, you're at the part of your camp is essentially over. Camp it's is over. over. You're at the part now where you're like, okay, what are our break glass in case of emergency situations? Is your is your job as a coach to you know unfortunately prepare for the worst? And we saw something like this with Gerard Hurd last, you know, two years ago, right, in 2017 when he first got here. And then we need – everybody. I, I thought and everybody else, I think most of us thought, we, you need a third-string quarterback. I think that's more important than your 
fifth wide receiver. Right. But he wanted Gerard Hurd to play wide receiver really bad. He didn't really play that much. And I think uh, ultimately Sam Ellinger ends up dealing with an injury. Shane Bouchel has to play and they end up moving him back there to quarterback anyway, temporarily. And it's like, well, we, we could have been, we've been watching quarterback here at Texas and what a disaster it's been for like eight years. <laughs> we could have told you, you're going to need a third string quarterback. And hell, this year you might end up needing one too. I'm just knocking on wood. Knock on that wood real hard. Yeah, you know what I yeah. mean? Because Casey Thompson, I they they know they got to get him ready to go. Yeah. We're just praying that it doesn't get worse than that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it has his job to prepare for the worst. Right now, you must assume that Keonta Ingram. Let's assume that he ain't ready in time. What's your plan? Right. Is it is it more Jordan Whittington and Daniel Young splitting the carries, or is Jordan Whittington going to be the focus? And then is Jake Smith going to get like three or four random carries, or jet sweeps, like? How are you going to divide up that load, that you know, that rushing attack? Yeah, and what's also interesting too, Rod, and this is kind of me veering off the path, so you guys pull me back on if I'm going too far off. You're also at the time where you do you figure out stuff like, okay, let's put something on film against Louisiana Tech that LSU at least has to waste a practice period or two focusing on. Like Whether it's too. some kind of formation you didn't yep. show last year, misinformation, some kind of personnel grouping. If Todd Orlando, if it's some kind of exotic blitz you didn't put on film last year that you're not planning on using, but you're showing it anyway, like that's the kind of stuff right now where you're trying to figure all that stuff out. Because let's be honest, I mean, yeah, we know this program's had issues in openers the last two years, but this is a game that should be as interesting as Texas wants to make it. And you've got to start thinking about, okay, what do you start doing to get ready for LSU? Even yeah. if you're not out front with it. Yeah. In the staff, it's one thing you might not tell the team that, but in a staff meeting, you could definitely talk about. All right, let's put yeah. this out on film you, just to give them something to look at. You put in like, yeah, uh, you put in misinformation, false leads, if you will. You know what I mean? Kind of some uh, false data points, as Matt points mm-hmm. out. You can you break break tendencies here yep. and there uh, just to throw them off. So I totally agree. Like, just throw some funky stuff at the wall. You, and and the crazy thing is, you want to balance that by being also as vanilla as possible with what you actually want to do right. and still win, but also, yeah, try to throw them in some deception like, oh, they might be doing this, they might be doing that when you really have no you have you know, no thought process toward that at all. And just the creativeness, like we've already talked about how much this staff seems to be focusing this year on evolving the offense towards they like are. the round and the run pass option and those type of yep. plays that are so multifaceted within themselves that you can be showing something, but the defense not knowing that there's five or six other variations that we've not shown yet, and those type of things can build off each other throughout a season. Yeah, that man, that Texas LSU game is going to be a RPO. Like, How it, it's early a, on. Yeah, it's, it's going to be crazy, man. That's I'm wondering. Be like, like watching with an Texas. old rugby game and everybody just running sideways. It's going to be freaky. With Texas, how much RPO stuff, like the expansion of that in your offense, how much of that do you show against Louisiana Tech? Do you save some? Because well, that's I don't, the beauty of it. It can almost be built in its own yeah, deception say you could with add, one pass options. Just, just yeah. different options. Joe Moorhead says he has a, what he calls a tag onto every uh, play, and that's basically his. And he gives he literally gives the quarterback an option on every. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Holgerson play. Holgerson does the same thing. Yeah, you know what I mean. So he basically ends up ninety percent of his run plays end up being run pass option plays, and it's like. Well, hell, so basically the whole damn office is run pass option. Pretty much. And we know Joe Brady, who's now the pass game coordinator for LSU, he studied under Joe Moorhead, and he's bringing that back. And even Sean Payton said, hey, man, we have to thank Joe Brady for bringing us the modernized versions of the RPOs. Yeah, because now they're talking about Taysom Hill yeah. as the future quarterback, and he's exactly. the perfect guy for perfect that. Perfect guy for And, by the way, um, don't forget Joe Burrow 
when yeah. he had his big season in Ohio, he threw for like 4,500 yards and 60-something touchdowns and like two interceptions and he won a state title, they were running RPOs. Mm-hmm. Joe, Joe Burrow's now returning back to what made him successful. Mm-hmm. He was actually out of his comfort zone last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, now he's actually returning back to something he's familiar with. Yeah, Joe Burrow was Isn't talking anybody or... who's played offense at LSU in the last 15 years, aren't they out of their comfort zone? Uh, <laughs> unless, you're, unless you're unless yeah. you're Leonard Fournette, yeah, or sure. Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis all the Landry, talent that yeah, was sure. there. Yes, amen. <laughs> yeah, no, literally, I heard last year from parts of the LSU staff talking about how smart Joe Burrow was, but literally almost indicting themselves, be like, "Oh, he showed up and is teaching us stuff." <laughs> no, and, no, yeah, no. He, uh, uh, Tom Herman said he was the smartest junior quarterback he's ever recruited. Yeah. Um, his dad was a, a coach for yeah, 38 coach years. Coached yeah, at so Ohio like University. Teaching was the coaches defensive stuff coordinator. When he no, no. He's been around a lot of ball, man. He's been dad a lot was of a around. Nebraska guy too. His I dad think, was yeah. like drafted. Yeah, that yeah. was I think it was a DB and was drafted by Green Bay or something like that. But he's been around ball. He used to, as a kid. He played on the Nebraska field like with his dogs. Like he's been around ball. <laughs> well, like, like I told you guys, soul. you know, I go to like yeah. different clinics and I go to the coaching school wherever it is, and. You know, you'll see like coaches will be there and they'll have like the five year old kid. I'm like, that kid's going to be a, either, yep. either, he's either going to be a quarterback or a high school football coach. He's going to know point. a lot of ball. Yeah. Just, he's going to absorb it. And that's yeah. Joe your Burrow. little Colt McCoy yeah. or your little, like, well, that's in why, the like, locker room was a quandary. That's why, like, Malcolm Rhodes can play five different positions because, I mean, he's talking about, yeah, I remember, he remembers being like seven years old and getting up at five in the morning to go to his dad with clinics right. on the weekends in the summer. He's standing by his dad. His dad's on the sled. He's behind his dad watching him. You know what I mean? Dad yelling at people with technique. Get low. That level, yeah. he knows all that crap. Yeah, you man. pick up, you Watch pick out, it up, Malcolm. That stuff. You pick it up. <laughs> um, but no, so I, I think in the in the it'll be a it'll be vanilla with like some almonds or walnuts mixed in there, right? Because in, the, in the vanilla, I mean, you've got to show some stuff because you got to run what you want to run. Because I don't think if you're Tom Herman or Ed Orgeron, you don't want to be doing stuff for the first time against Texas or against LSU. Well, that's Andy, not when you want to – stuff that's kind of in your your base concepts and your base pack. Well, if you're Texas, you can't afford for another first-game slip-up yeah. either. You know what I mean? So there's a little bit more and like, okay, we got – and you, you would like to have that you know game in hand, honestly, by halftime. You don't, mm-hmm. want, you don't want me to dogfight with freaking Louisiana Tech at halftime. Or so I think what you'll see in that game from Texas is deep balls. I think Texas will – you know, with their size, one thing they they Explosive. can work on. Yeah, they can work on that. They, you know, who cares if you're giving away the deep ball? You know, we're going deep. We got Colin Johnson and Devin Duvernay. We're going deep, and I think you're gonna see a lot of that. The deep ball fades from the slot with Duvernay, uh, play action pass, and deep balls to Colin Johnson mm-hmm. on the outside, and force Louisiana Tech into the simple pick your poison identity of what the offense is gonna be, which is: Are you gonna defend this power running game, or are you gonna defend? our wide receivers who can take the top off of your defense. And once you make that choice, then Texas will they, – they'll acclimate. You know what I mean? Then yeah. they'll – if you want to drop your safeties back then, good luck with that because then we just, you know, RPO you to death and we're going to, you know, run Keontae Ingram and then we're going to hit you up with Sam when it's third and three or less. Uh, so I don't think teams are going to do that. I think teams are going to try to stop Texas' power running game, especially when you involve the RPO. The only way to really defend the RPO is almost to bring the safeties down in the box. You know what I mean? And almost muddle the the, the, the read of the quarterback. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Where he doesn't know exactly who's defending who. So I, I think Texas is going – I think for, if you're Texas, a lot of deep shots and force them into picking the poison of defending the power running game or defending the deep ball. Most teams will decide to defend the power running game and – you leave Colin Johnson on the island or Devin Duvernay. Because nobody wants to get the ball run down their throat. It's so emasculating. You know yeah. what I mean? That will get you fired. Giving up a deep ball is like, well, 
Colin Jones, he's going to be Ask first. Ask Manny Diaz. Yes, that will get you fired. Exactly. Taysom Hill. You know what I mean? Like, that'll get you fired. That'll get your teams will, that, you know, your fans will turn on you because of that. The deep ball, uh, you know, you are, you know, they got a shot to mess it up. It could end up being pass interference. It can end up happening a lot of different ways. Uh, there's two, yeah. there's two things to that for me, Rod. Uh, I think one, I think Tom Herman's had to hear so much from us in the media about, oh, he didn't have an explosive play over 50 yards last year. I think they're just going to try to get that field position. Like, just get Duvernay like on a wheel or something where maybe you mm-hmm. can get him one on one and try to yep. see if he can get by somebody. Make exactly. sure we're on the right own there. Side there it is. 50, Got the 50 yep. plus yard play out of the way, first series of the season. Uh, and then something I, I go back to you, and, and as a Dallas Cowboys fan, this both fascinates me and frustrates me because the Cowboys have shown they're really good on play action passes. They just refuse to do it yeah. most of the time. Agreed. I go with your line of thinking more teams should play action early in the game because it hasn't been proven that your run game sucks. I agree. I'm with well, you. no, and there's yep. been studies <laughs> you know? done yeah. 100%. I love, I love that you threw that out there, and I've never looked at it like that, but I'm like, that's a perfect way to think well, about it. Well, and there have been studies yep. proven that play action truly has no impact, your running game or not. Like, yeah. play you action a bad running works game. Yeah. even if you have a bad running game. And there's, I just saw a great study. I'll try to find it before next week. But just looking at all I of the numbers. I saw it. Was it a Sports Source Analytics or something like yep, that. I it think it's Smart like Analysis, I think, was the Twitter account that okay. sent it out. But they just did a study and said that, like, no, look at all the play-action results for like the past five years, yeah. and it doesn't even matter if it's from a good running game or a bad running game. It's the idea that occupies the defense momentarily that gets a guy open. Yeah, that's I what always, we, talked, we yeah. talked about that with the RPO, Rod. Like As a defender, especially like linebackers and safeties, what the RPO has done, it's now everything you've been taught from middle school through high school – your reads are now wrong. It, Everything yeah. is wrong. It's misinformation now. It's counterintuitive because yep. what my eyes lie to me. The yeah. eyes actually lie to me now. They're playing they, the they, opponent. Yeah, I, the, you said read the guard. It was going to tell me run or pass. Well, he was run blocking, and it was a pass. It's coach. evolved. So it's like, well, now you just say, well, you know, I need hybrid defenders. I need football players with really good instincts, and I need to have safeties that I can bring into the box mm. so that I can just muddle the picture and muddle the read for the quarterback. So, yeah, and I would say it's about play-action pass. Play-action pass is like, it's, it's like cleavage, right? Cleavage on a grown woman, even if it's not good, you'll still give it a peek. You'll still give it just a – and you may not look at it for two seconds or three seconds. You may just look at it for a half a second. That's all it takes. That's all that quarterback needs. Is all that wide receiver needs to get behind you. Yeah. So it's, it's it's all it's meant to do. It's just like because you have to respect play action. Yeah, you have to respect cleavage. And it changes the defense. It puts you on your heels or with just that split second of that's calculating. That's enough time that's to give you mean, that. Man. We see that barely inches can define so much, and that's the difference right there. It could also be Daisy Dukes. Daisy Dukes on a grown woman would do that too. Another thing yeah. that <laughs> negates that type of stuff is uh, players <laughs> that like a guy like Caden Stearns. But when you have a safety that can go and like change angles and make up those type yeah. of things and that's where like a bj a game, foster exactly in the box a, is what you need a game like this against louisiana tech though like you talk about trying to be explosive on on offense and get big plays that way we may see actually that from the defensive end where the defensive aggressiveness can be something that sometimes can go the wrong way because if you okay. take a risk and it isn't rewarded you can give up that td and if you're playing a decent offense like texas will be that's how stuff gets scary but it's also how you can quickly get up and demoralize the team if you can't make a player too early so we talked about wide receivers as far as the depth chart goes i want to go over to defense because o-line and running back we've talked about running back too that's obviously going to factor more into the injuries but yeah. rod one two injury positions on defense where it's not, you know, injuries aren't impacting it. One is corner, the other is linebacker. When you look at corner, 
I think it's pretty obvious for anybody that hasn't picked it up, reading the reports or hearing quotes, Jalen Green's started to separate himself yeah. from everybody else. So now really the question is, okay, with Anthony Cook suspended, are you going to go Deshaun Jameson or are you going to go Kobe Boyce for the opener? I think all three of those guys are going to play against Louisiana Tech. Really? Yeah. But from what it sounds like, Rod, considering he's been there through the third, through the two scrimmages and we've heard about him taking most of the practice reps there, I think Kobe Boyce is going to be starting opposite Jalen Green in the opener. I I wouldn't doubt that, man. Talk about a, an upset coming out of nowhere uh, with yeah. that one. You know what I mean? I don't think any of us had that. Yeah, I, I mean, pool. I assumed it was going to be Anthony Cook uh, most of the offseason. Didn't Deshaun Jameson make some move? And now Kobe Boyce seems to be the one who is uh, right now in the uh, the front runner spot to get that uh, starting that that corner spot opposite Jalen Green. Uh, I mean, right now I'm, I'm with you. I think the coaches are just willing to see who shows up in the games. Because now you really – obviously you don't trust necessarily what you've seen in practice from those guys consistently. Right. So I'm with you. I think you will see all of them in the game. Because let me see who in the game situation with all of that on the line, game preparation, who shows out and who actually has a really productive I, I love what Todd Orlando said about the corner battle this summer. He said he wanted to make things as uncomfortable as those guys as possible because in his words, he can't put somebody on the field if he hasn't seen them go up against Colin Johnson enough. Like if you can – if you can – perform well going up against Colin Johnson, you can probably do it against anybody in the country. Uh that's good. I wonder how their one on ones work because we used to we used to call guys. Like I would because I, I got to the point you get to a point where I didn't go up against anybody but Roy Williams mm-hmm. and BJ and Sloan. Yeah. Like anybody else is like, man, sorry, I don't uh I'm not wasting my rep. Get out of here. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like so I do wonder because yeah, if I'm Jalen Green at this one, I'm like, nah man, me and Colin, that's it. Me and Colin and Devin DuVernay, that's it. Yeah. Y'all, I don't even want to go up against y'all. So if he wants to see that, I wonder if Coach goes over and goes, no, 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 Colin, I need you to go up against Kobe Boyce or whatever. That's the kind of stuff it's been. That's what I'm yeah. saying. That's yeah. what he must be doing, yeah. Well, and if Kobe Boyce is sort of getting his name put into this, it seems as if because he's playing well, which could only probably be a good thing for Texas if you're adding to the depth, then if, say, somebody isn't living up to expectations and is just yeah. giving him the rep. We'll see if he plays well, but we'll see. it probably trends hey, in that good direction. Louisiana Tech is reading horns 2472, so mm. they know that Jalen Green is the most consistent corner, and they will go after the other corner. Well, they remember what That's happened what to Okie State yeah, last <laughs> yes, time that saying. corner oh, was on They'll the go field. after the other corner and, and just, me, they, just they to reiterate right now, just to reiterate <laughs> just to reiterate that's no disrespect because rod you've been the other corner i've been the other corner i know that yeah. i've been that guy i i was opposite quentin jammer you not did a good that job guy. and you made a career out of they it throwing at that other corner so yeah you can earn a lot of respect and go man you can't throw at the other corner either we got to find some other way so yeah for the first honestly man for the first five honestly through lsu right no through oklahoma that other corner is gonna get work worked yeah. yeah, and like I said, I think you will. You know, we won't see Cook until the second half. I think you'll see all three of those guys. Yeah, at that other. Corner. I agree with you. On and that. you'll see some rotation. I mean, you'll see Jamison and Boyce together, Green and Jamison. So I was interested to see how the rotation goes because, like Matt talked about, you know, last year you seen Kobe Boyce struggle when he got in. So it's interesting to when you take a corner out. Right, like do you, then you take him out when worse. he's struggling. Yeah, because you take him out when he's struggling, he's like, oh well. But you got to sever it somewhere. You, exactly. It's almost like the Jerry Jones <laughs> severed <laughs> hand thing uh, analogy, right? Which you got to run you, off. When, <laughs> I can't even get into it. That? I don't know what the hell that was. But it, yeah, when do you decide? Because yeah, if Kobe Boyce is struggling, say they say they're attacking, and going after him early, and then you know he gives up a touchdown or some first downs. Do you just pull him? Can you pull him in? You make 
Don't ever put him back in then. Yeah. Because yeah. he's done. He's cooked. Yeah. You know I, what I mean? Jerry, like you wait and say, all right, let's see if you'll battle. Because remember, that's what Coach said they liked about Deshaun James. We like that he battles back. All right. Let's see if you let's see if you're ready to wait on him battling back, back from a 70 yard TD. Yeah, from 14 down. Well, he's battling back, Coach. Get him the hell out of there. Get him out. It's a bum. And I know the the primary thing with Kobe Boyce has been his confidence. Exactly. Well, well, all of them now. Now Anthony Cook's confidence well, is shot. That's why that's what I hear. you yank him in the field. Cook's one. confidence is now shot. He's playing like, you know, like he doesn't know. Or believe in himself. Well, because I, I I don't I don't know if he was planning on this being a battle. I don't think he was. Either. I think he was reading horns two four seven two. That's when he was reading too much. Stop, I appreciate the support, but there's times where you need to filter that out if you're playing. <laughs> no, I'm just joking, but no, you're right. No, because I, mean, I have I have had players reach out to me I'm like, sure why did you write this about me? Like, why are you paying attention to anything a, I'm writing? A, a, Go amen. fight for your damn job. Amen, brother. Yeah, you're already in the wrong mindset. Yeah. If you're reading this to keep up with yes. the, the position battle. You should know. I'm I'm irrelevant. <laughs> like, I'm I'm right. Writing for the guy up in section thirty-two. Hey, Amen. Not yeah. writing it for you. So yeah, that that the other corner that concerns me. I'm that depth wise, I agree. That that concerns me. I'm scared. In the Big Twelve, I'm very afraid because yeah. you can isolate a corner in the Big Twelve. Yeah, and attack him. <clears throat> linebacker. Rod, I keep thinking this is going to be a position where I think at some point we might see a youth movement. Like Joseph Osai at this point. Like this is to me has been the story. See the best uh, one. This to me has been the story since camp started at linebacker. Like we came in thinking, okay. This is what you got to get from Jeffrey McCulloch for this position to have a good year. And how much can Delhi a day away play? Mm-hmm. It's gone from that to how many different ways can you use Joseph Osai? I agree with that. We talked about it. Yeah, can he play that's been and that's yeah. been the big story at can linebacker. Use him in the dime. Can he be the linebacker in the dime? Because he's not going to come off the field. I agree with that. Like everything I've heard, whether it's a seven DB package, the eight DB package, third and long, short yardage, whatever, any kind of personnel grouping you've got, Joseph Osai is going to be on the field. Nice. He's not coming off. That means he's had a hell of a training. And that's a perfect piece. I mean, the the, the offense is going to have so many issues trying to identify what his exact role is in that situation. That's where it's so good that, like, whenever you look at the – because we talk about what this linebacker situation is going to be. But when you look at the bodies of some of these guys that we're going to be treating as linebackers, they're bigger than most Big 12 linebackers. Like, when you look across other rosters – I was yeah. surprised they're all 5'11", 205. They're all 6'1", they're streamlined, you know, baby. 210. Yeah. And, and Texas, all of our safeties are that size. So yeah. it's the type of situation where we might just be in the right conference Ma- that if they go like small, Marcus Tillman. Help. Marcus Tillman's kind of like the ideal linebacker. I know we talked about Gary Johnson being the blueprint, but good luck finding linebackers that run 10'6". Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like Marcus Tillman's kind of the blueprint you've got to follow in terms of here's a guy that was a high school safety that just kind of outgrew safety, so you had to spin him down. I like that. It wasn't because of his speed. It's just he kind of got too big to be back there, and they moved him down. Now you've got tape to see what it looks like him playing linebacker. And Marcus Tillman's had a really good camp. Juwan Mitchell has had a really good camp. I've heard like, good things about Juwan Mitchell. Of those, like I was expecting it to be, you know, Caleb Johnson and and maybe David Benda as a as a young guy stepping up, but. It's been Marcus Tillman and Jawan Mitchell, right? And I think for Tom Herman to come out and say both those guys are definitely going to play and they're going to be your core special teams guys, that tells me that they're closer to being on the field in primary roles than they are just to be in depth guys. Yeah. No, it's really good to hear about Joseph Asai, though, because one of my big questions was can they cross-train him to keep him on the field because he can make you multiple. I agree with Matt. You, it's no telling. I mean, I can see him rushing from the edge. I can see you moving him back inside. You know what I mean? Depending on how you want to use him, depending on what you know formation you're facing. So I I love the fact that now they're looking at him as potentially 
And we were thinking about this with Jeff- Jeffrey McCullough, but now that he may be the central piece of the linebacking core, like or the most important. Joseph Osai is almost like Bizarro Steve Edmond, right? Like we used to look at Steve Edmond, like he's two hundred seventy pounds. Like how can it work him playing linebacker? Like oh well, he's actually yeah, he can pretty move. good. He yeah. can move. And you think about Osai, like yeah, like linebacker. I know Todd Orlando likes to look at it as almost positionless football with those three linebacker positions. Like well, you know, is can, can he do it? Like is he six three, six four, yeah, and he's he long, run? but like. Oh, he's, he's got hips. He can he can run. I remember yeah, that play can. with Jordan Whittington, man, in the spring game. I still remember it. And I remember, like, thinking to myself, I didn't think he could run like that. Okay. Yeah. If he can run like if he can run with Jordan Whittington and he ran with him on a, a wheel route, I think yeah. we may be all right. Yeah. Uh, we've hit interesting, though. Tom Herman said of the three guys that are injured right now, the, the three guys that Ooh, they're nice. most concerned with, Zach Shackleford, Caden Stearns, and Keontae Ingram. Even though we heard Keontae Ingram's injury was more of a scare, than anything, and he was back at practice, like jogging mm-hmm. the next day. The next time they were out, he Tom Herman said Caden Stearns is the closest to return, which kind of fits the timeline. I heard when Caden Stearns was injured, they figured it would be about a week, and right, I think they've kind of gone along with something you suggested, yeah. like, well, just keep him out until you're ready to game plan for La Tech anyway. Just yep. and you know what you've got in him, like there's no need to I agree. to rush him back. So we talked about running back. Figure Caden Stearns and Brandon Jones will still be your starting safeties. No not if not, my guess it would be Chris Brown if they feel they need to hold Stearns back. Before we get out of here, the last thing we talk about is the offensive line. Rod, if there's any concern, like mm. like put yourself in Herb Hand, Tim Beck, and Tom Herman. You're those three guys sitting down talking about your depth chart for the La Tech game. If there's any level of concern, do you just start at the beginning of the week and say, you know what, Zach Shackelford's out, just roll with Derek Kerstetter at center and start Parker Brown and Junior Angelau? Good point. Especially if it could end up re-injuring uh, Shackelford, right? I always worry about big guys with foot injuries. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I I, I would be cautious because you do have the luxury of Kerstetter, and that's the beauty of having him. That's a Swiss Army knife. It's Louisiana Tech, and you'd much rather uh, up the chances of him being ready for LSU and not re-injuring that foot. So I'm with you. Considering how crucial center is, and you're blessed to have another guy that can play it, Man, but you'd rather have that depth that that Kerstetter can bring you playing anything, not having him, uh, having him as a necessity to have to right. play center. Like I, I would, have to put. Him I in. would rather have Shackelford as close to 100 percent as he can be for LSU. That Agreed. way, you go into that game with all your ducks in a row, and you've already got Kerstetter a start and significant time at center. Yep. So that way, if something does happen to Shackelford, you're not so, freaking out about it, wondering what it looks like in a game situation. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I think you hit, hit the nail on the head. That's so we'll, we'll see. Um, you know, yeah. I, I don't know what they're gonna do, but that's that's the of those three injuries. That's the one that I'm like, I don't know, and maybe they'd just be better off if they just decided, yeah. you know, just shelve them and and roll with. I'm the glad other the Caden Stearns one isn't as serious because I was thinking something along the lines with that with Caden Stearns. I was like, you're so deep at safety. Like if he can't, if it's pushing it at all, screw it. Give him one more week. Just let him sit out. We're good. Yeah, you know, I mean, we know what we got from him. And hopefully, and look, next week we get to talk about. An actual game, and we'll also That's do kind of season. We'll do season predictions yeah. and all that fun stuff we do. It's crazy. When the season starts, but um, you know what? I just totally forgot where I was going with that. So. <laughs> you got excited Texas about football? Yeah, you got really excited about football. You it literally short circuited <laughs> his mind. Season is next yeah. week. <laughs> well, I just I just yanked the emergency break on that one. Trust me, man. I feel uh, the same way. I think <laughs> that means it's time for us to shut this thing down and get the hell out of here. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. 
conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Uh, keep on the lookout if you're on the podcast feed. Mike Roach and I will drop a special recruiting podcast later in the week. Uh, nice. Just to put pressure on them, I'll let everybody know when I get it to Matt, and then you guys can bug Matt. And speaking of Matt, Matt's Twitter handle has changed. Matt is now at Butler in Austin yep. because Longhorn Blitz has its own Twitter account. The official Longhorn Blitz Twitter account it's is official. at Longhorn Blitz. So follow it. The Twitterverse. Oh, yes. Follow it. We will be using that. Throughout this. I don't know. Maybe we'll do some Periscope or something. We'll come up with something. And while we're updating people, we can tell them that also in addition to being on the air on the horn on Tuesday nights at 7, also we're going to follow Tom Herman's show Thursday night. So where you can hear us on the horn Thursday nights nice. after Tom Herman's show from 7 to 8. We'll be on from 8 to 9. Or if there's a scheduling issue, we follow Herman. So when you're listening to Herman, we follow them. So there's no reason you should miss Longhorn Blitz during Beautiful football thing. season. You need to, to get it, get it done. Plenty of ways for you to listen, uh, and we do appreciate it. But that's going to do it for this show. We'll see you guys again next week when it's time to talk about La Tech and maybe, maybe Rod, because I know you've been doing that deep dive. Maybe we'll get an early look at LSU. Oh, I'm already on it because we do uh, that on our Horn Top 20 countdown tomorrow. So I've been on that LSU, baby. Matt, mm. thanks for everything, man. You're more than welcome. Rod B., appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, anytime. For Matt, for Rod, for everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn 1049 1019 AM 1260 streaming on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. You can get this podcast on the air, as Matt said, Tuesdays and Thursdays during football season, and you can hear Rod B. on the Rodcast each and every weekday from 1 to 3. Shameless plug. Get this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcasts. And thanks to Matt, you can find our classic interviews, classic shows, all of our show archives are on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com.